0: Good Monday morning. This is another part of our soundstage. And once again, you're invited if you're passing through, if you would like to um, come and visit us, please email me first to make sure we can make room for you. We can, we can seat, um, told up to a hundred in a crunch now that COVID is, is off. But we normally will have between 30 and 40 present at each taping. And then, uh, of course, we have thousands that view around the world, literally, afterwards. So, we want to make sure that if you're passing through, however, we make room for you. And that we're not overcrowded, so we won't make you nervous. So, just email me at Patrick at rsafeharbor.com. And we'll, we'll make that happen if we possibly can, and we almost always can, all right? Now, the last three weeks, we've talked about how Catholics and Protestants look at their Bible and why I'm not a Catholic and why I'm not a Protestant while continually stating and we needed to make it very firm that we believe they are all Christians and they are all saved and there is no criticism leveled against either it's merely why I'm not a name-brand Christian and there are those that claim they're not a name-brand Christian but they really only go to their own narrow little church and I'm trying very hard not to become one of those people. So just be aware I'm a recovering legalist and it's, it's, a, it's a journey, so it is. But if you were to ask me, why is it that I think so many people are saved? Why is it I think that Catholics, Protestants, even the independents and some of the fringe things out there, why do I think these people are going to be saved? We well, you know, that's kind of um, a subject for a long series and maybe a longer format than Monday morning. But enough of you have asked the question, honestly, and with great kindness and respect, that we have to deal with that. And so eventually we're gonna find a format to get to you, my my beliefs on salvation, hell, and all that, all right? But for a Monday morning, let me just fly over very quickly. We mentioned last week, Matthew 25, that the only human, whoever's walked on the planet that's also God and knows exactly what's gonna happen on the Day of Judgment, in Matthew 25, describes the process, and it's, it, it, there's no argument about any of the things that we argue about and fight about all the time. It's all about feeding the poor, clothing the naked, visiting those in prison, loving the others and the broken among us. Jesus said, you did that, welcome home to heaven. N- nowhere in there is doctrine. Mentioned. No, where in there is what you believe about this, that, or the other. Mentioned. For it seems to, to God to matter more how you live for him than what you believe about him. So that's a big part of this because I know people in all of these different religions who have a heart for Jesus as big as mine and some, to be honest, bigger and with greater faith than mine. And the scripture in Matthew 25 is pretty clear about who goes in. So that's, that's one. Another is this, the Bible was not put together the way we would have put together the Bible, and I think that that, um, that is one of the reasons why we split so often. And we read it, different eyes, different personalities, different pasts, different, different histories, you know, past the histories are the same, sorry, a little redundant there, different cultures, and we come to the Bible and we read it through our eyes, and no matter what we try, We cannot put ourselves all the way back into that culture. We try hard, so we should, but we're still going to see different things and decide different things are important. And that's why when the Bible was made available through the printing press, it didn't unite us, but rather the Protestant Reformation started this splitting of churches that continues today at even a faster rate. Some of these churches are dying out, but others are being reborn or born for the first time, and the Bible just wasn't put the way we would have written it, with the way we want it to work. Let me explain. Wouldn't it be very, very helpful if there was a book of worship? And it described for us, very much like Leviticus and Deuteronomy do for the, the Old Testament, this is exactly how you worship, this is who does what, this is when they do it, this, all of that highly scripted out, 600 plus rules in the Old Testament. That's, that's really what we want. Because we keep arguing about worship. You know, you sing those songs, we don't like those songs, we sing this song. We don't like it when this happens, you know, you get it. Because if you're a Christian, and you've been a Christian for any length of time, you've heard the worship complaints and the worship wars and we take our preferences, and we read them back into the Bible, this um, casuistic ratiocination, we, we read and boom, right back in, and we, then we claim it, we found it there. And it's, it's very sad, but if we had a book of worship, that would help. How about a book of social, uh, a God-accepted amount of skin you're allowed to show with variance according to how close you are to the equator? That would be so helpful. How about a book Uh, these are the words you're allowed to say when you've dropped something on your toe or somebody has rear-ended your vehicle that would be helpful that would be extremely helpful or these are the shows slash comedians slash newscast that are acceptable to god now of course we wouldn't expect that book to be written because those things continue to be uh, added in so it'd be guidelines if the comedians tell this many toilet jokes, you have to stop. You're not allowed to laugh anymore. If You, you get the point. We would, have, we would have developed a book that covers all aspects of what we are to believe, how we are to behave, and what we're to think about every situation. There are those who claim that the Bible is such a book. It is not. For if it were, more than one group would have figured that out by now. And they would be following it and they would be showing us, no, it's perfectly logical. Have a look. But instead we hunt and peck our way around scripture and arrange a Bible salad that is tasty for us. And we wonder why those other horrible individuals don't like what we like. And it's time that we acknowledge that the Bible is like that. So how do we handle this? I believe God told us. Of course, there's Matthew 25 we brought up, but there's also a story told more than once, and Peter alludes to it much later, the transfiguration. Look it up. This is Monday morning, we don't have time to hit all of them, right? So look it up. Uh, The transfiguration, what happens is Jesus takes his best buddies. You are allowed to have best friends. He takes his best buddies He goes up to a a place when all of a sudden, as he's praying, heaven breaks open and we we almost never get to see beyond our physical world and to the other reality that is out there. And this was one of those occasions. The heavens opened up and you see Moses and Elijah there. Now, we would think, how cool is that? Moses and Elijah. We'd just be, you know, high-fiving each other because we got the chance to see this. We have no idea. <laughs> this blew Peter, James, and John's minds because this was their entire Marvel Comics universe. This was their entire superhero pantheon. Moses was the law, Elijah was the prophet. Wow. And they get they they go they go off their nut. They just go insane. And and not a criticism, by the way. We would have done the same had we been them. And they say they wanna honor Jesus by putting him up at the level that they, that they honor Moses and Elijah because they, that's a huge upper level. Only, only God is next. And, and they're going, we want to build this, this altar thing, this, this tent thing and according to how you read it, uh, but it's an honor, it's a thing of honor. For three, for you and Moses and Elijah because we elevate you to that level. Aren't you happy that we think of you that highly?" And God interrupts the celebration plans. And he says, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Wow. We would call this, in law enforcement, a clue. A big clue. A huge 80 foot square cube falling from heaven, smacking the earth in front of you with the letters C U, C L U E. I got it so excited, I started to spell cube. C L U E, and from it, clue. I'm going to read things in the Old Testament that bother me from time to time. And I want to read things in the New Testament that confuse me from time to time or that bother me or that make me a little upset. How am I gonna deal with this? If I read Ezra and Amos back to back, I'm gonna be going, wait, what? Because they didn't agree about how to treat foreigners among them. If I look at Deuteronomy and see the changing rules on slavery and such, and I'm gonna go, what? What? If I read Paul, and paul talks talks about you know women keeping silent in the church he says because eve sinned first but then in the book of romans he says we all are going to die because adam sinned first and i'm going to wait what i know there are answers people have written books about all of this but most of us are not going to sit around and read all those books you know i read them because that's what i do but You're busy and you have a life and you've got children and you've got a job and you've got people you're caring for your parents or whatever. So how do we handle the book that we've got? We listen to Jesus, just like God said. If we read something which we're not really sure what's going on, look at Jesus. I've often said the Old Testament's an argument about God and that Jesus settles the argument. Well, then what's the rest of the New Testament? It is people trying to apply Jesus to their situation and they're doing it with the Spirit's help, but their situation is not ours. We need to recognize that. So listen to Jesus. And what does Jesus tell us? Well, he tells us what God's always shown us. He desires mercy, not sacrifice, mercy from us. He gives us grace and tells us we must give grace to others. He tells us love covers a multitude of sins. He tells us that, uh, well, with the example of Paul. Paul had a thorn in the flesh, and when I grew up, people tried to say that was an eye disease, and they'd grabbed a couple passages. No. As a former shrink, when I read it, I know what he's talking about. He's making it very open and plain to them, not so much to us, that his thorn in the flesh is that he has some sort of sin that he's just not able to get past. He's been fighting it his whole life. And so he's been asking God to take it away from him. And God goes, no, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, when I was growing up, the preachers said, what that means is, my grace, my grace will, you know, my grace is all you're getting. So you need to get to my grace. And I just, it's standing grace on its head and calling it whatever I was trying to spell a while ago. No. No. What he's saying is, Paul, I know, I know you're struggling with that and I know you fail, but my grace has you, my grace has you covered. You're good, think about that, just think about that. And so why would I think that Catholics and Protestants and and believers of all kinds of stripes are saved or will be saved? Well, it's all of those. You keep reading, and the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through love. We read that when we were doing our Galatians study in Galatians 5. The only thing that matters. Well, wait a minute, wait, what if they don't believe in a trinity? Or what if they baptize, but they don't say the right words? There. Spoiler alert. God doesn't give us magic words. It tells us to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And some people think that means we're supposed to say that. I think saying that's really good, and I always do. But no, in the name of means by the authority of. So there aren't magic words. Um, I've had people ask me to rebaptize them because the guy that baptized them said, uh, he baptized them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and baptized them. But he didn't say, for the redemption of sins. Out of Acts 2.38, I've told him, no, you don't need to be rebaptized. You're saved to the uttermost deal with it. Uh, and by the way, there have been times I've re-baptized people anyway because they were just going to worry themselves sick. And I know God wasn't upset that we did it. Don't worry yourself sick. Listen to Jesus. If you're troubled by religious differences around you, and and who isn't from time to time, would you just make a pact with yourself just to read the gospels over and over i did it for a period of six months and it changed everything about my belief and the way i treat others and when i read other scripture now i read it through jesus i don't read jesus through paul or through moses i read them through jesus and i hear his voice not audibly like he's walking around talking to patrick that may happen to some people seriously i'm not trying to throw that off ironically no or dismissively um but he, uh, that doesn't happen to me but I've read the gospels so much that they're in every cell of my body and allows me to see people through his lenses, even the writers of scripture. So if you come to me and you say, I'm a Catholic, I'm not gonna go, ooh, I need to talk to you. If you come to me and say, you're a Lutheran, a Presbyterian, Southern Baptist, I'm not gonna go, ooh, I need to talk to you. Instead, I'm gonna ask your first name We're gonna have a great visit. Sometime during that, I'm gonna ask, what's the best thing I can do for you right now? Sometime during that, I'm gonna ask you if I can help and serve you in any way or show you love in any way. And eventually you might ask me why? And then I'll say, you know, the more I read about Jesus, the more I'm compelled just to ask, what can I do for you? And then talk to them about Jesus if they want to. Jesus is good. Let me just ask you a final question as we close. Do you trust God? I don't know, it's an odd question, but it's a serious one. Do you trust him? Is God trustworthy to do the right thing and to be love as he says he is love? Do you trust him? If so, we're not gonna be laying in bed worrying about the Catholics, the Protestants, the Jews, uh, those that haven't heard or the like. No, we're going to be light, salt, and cities on a hill. We're going to be out there loving people and when they ask us why, telling them about Jesus. But we trust God to do the right thing with every human soul. Now and on the day of judgment, be at peace for the Prince of Peace loves you and you can trust him why I'm not a member of any name-brand church, but neither will I condemn them. No. No, it'd be wrong to condemn them, but I'm not a member of those. I'm just a Christian, and I think that's probably what most of us really want to be. So let's go there together. God bless. Peace.